Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome back to another episode of Perfectly Healthy and Tone Radio. I'm your host, Darren McDuffie. And today we have a good show for you. But before I get into the show, please go and check my website out. I'm the fat Just did a video a blog rather. And um, I didn't I haven't been blogging for a while. I haven't blogged for maybe a couple of months and just did a um, blog on uh, close encounters of the tribal kind talking just about general things that are going on within the nutritional community when it comes to uh, you know your paleo your vegans and, and everybody else that's out there and what's going on and what I've seen and that's the thing that kind of got me inspired to, to do the blog also if you have not please go back and check out last week's I think that episode was two weeks ago we were supposed to do this episode two weeks ago and I had a problem with my Mac um, for those of you who are familiar with Macs I had a battery malfunction on me and ordered the battery and realized that I could not take the screws out to get the battery in. Apple has these crazy screws called tri-wing screws that you have to have a special screwdriver to get them out. So I got everything completed and we have the interview today. But go back and check out the episode um, before this one. And that is the Dorito Effect with Mark Shasker. Very good interview with Mark Shasker where we were talking about flavor and how flavor drives what we eat and how we're being kind of duped into uh, flavor, what I would call flavor, um, just the flavor being masqueraded, flavor where we are uh, being tricked into these natural flavors and things of that nature. So go back and check that podcast out. Really good podcast and something that you would need to listen to. And also just connect with me on social media so you'll know all of the shows that are coming. Uh, fat Man, uh, I'm sorry, Facebook slash I'm the Fat Man. And you can find me there. And I usually do all the shows there. Also on Twitter, it's the fat underscore man. You can find me there as well. And you can connect with me there and know when the shows are going to be uh, produced. Well, today we have a really good show. Um, we're interviewing Daryl Edwards on his book, Paleo from A to Z. And I'm sure we'll be talking about Paleo from A to Z and everything in between um, when it comes to Paleo and some of the primal things, primal play uh, and some of the other things that Daryl Edwards is doing. So welcome to the show, Daryl Edwards. Thank you very much, Darren. I'm really looking forward to, to having a chat. Okay. Well, Daryl, you know, you have a very interesting background. And I, one of the questions, I normally read people's uh, bio, but one of the things I wanted to ask you, I was going over your website and getting prepared for the show yesterday, and I noticed that you were a technologist for investment banking. How does one become a technologist for investment banking and then kind of change that into getting into nutrition and getting people well and also getting himself well? Right. So, yeah, that's an interesting question. Um, and I mean, I, I suppose I start off with, with how I got into technology uh, uh, and how I got into banking. So I, I was fortunate enough to be right at the, the, the cusp of the home computing revolution. So back in the 70s, 
in the late 70s, I was fortunate to be given a computer at, for, for, for Christmas, as a Christmas present. And uh, my mother believed it was a, a, a console, a games console, mm -hmm. but it had a keyboard. So after playing games for a while, I was like, what's, what's the keyboard about? <laughs> um, and so I, I, you know, there was a programming language and I decided to, I was a bit of a geek. So I was like, let me see what I could do with this. So I started programming at a very young age and it just became a, a hobby of mine. Um, and whenever, whenever I wasn't outside playing, I'd be indoors in front of my TV screen back then. Um, you know, when computers are plugged into the TV and that's what I, that's what I had a passion about. Mm -hmm. I was passionate about, um, and I graduated in computer science. Um, I worked for software houses for a while and then I, I got, I recognized it to make, to really make good money in this industry. I had to kind of get out of technology and work in finance. So that was a, that was a start of, you know, 20 years of working within investment banking. Mm -hmm. um, and towards the end of that time, I, I just started to get, I was getting sick. Um, I, was, I was getting annual health checks by my doctor and they were getting progressively worse. And I was seeing, you know, conditions that somebody of my age shouldn't have been suffering from. So that was the problem, you know, high blood pressure. I was pre-diabetic. Mm -hmm. um, I, had, I had, you know, lots of internal fats, a lot of fat circulating around the, the body. My cholesterol profile was very poor. Um, I was anemic, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and so I started to take my health very seriously. And I didn't want to just take lots of medication to resolve the problems. Mm -hmm. I wanted to look at the root cause. And that root cause or investigating the root cause led me to research uh, the paleo diet. Mm -hmm. So that was a kind of gateway into me realizing maybe there's a way that I could eat that would improve my health, um, but also other aspects of my lifestyle that need to, needed to change. Um, and once that changed and I started seeing really good results from that, people would ask me questions, you know, can you give me some recommendations as to what I should do? And I was like, I don't really feel qualified to do so. So I went back to school <laughs> and, <laughs> um, and kind of qualified in nutrition, uh, became a personal trainer. And I decided to quit my job in, in banking technology. And now I do what I do now full time. So it was quite a, you know, lots of people were very concerned about <laughs> me changing my very lucrative career and almost starting from scratch, but it was one of passion as well as just wanting to help people live a healthier lifestyle. Yeah, that's oftentimes money is not always the, the answer. People think that if you have that great career and you have all the money and then, but if it's something that's actually calling you outside of that, you have to kind of follow that passion. You mentioned that something led you to paleo. What what led you to paleo? How did you first start getting, got started with our paleo? Well, I I'd, uh, had a book on my shelf for about two years by Lauren Cordain called The Paleo Diet. Uh, and, you know, I, I just kind of glanced through it when I first bought it, but I didn't, I didn't continue to read it. And when I had this kind of health warning, um, I was like, you know what, let me go back to that book because there was something about it that was a very back-to-basics message. Uh, and the fact that we we've been eating a certain way for a very long period of time whilst being on this planet and it's only fairly recently in history that we've been eating you know a new new forms of food so i was like you know what i'm not really sure about the science i don't really understand a lot of the reasons behind this but let me give this a try 
and, and that's that's what happened. So my blood test results had improved after a few months on on the paleo diet. And so, you know, rather than my doctor saying to me, I need you to take these medications immediately, it was like, oh, actually, you know what, let's wait and see, because whatever you're doing right now seems to be working. Um, and let's just check, recheck you every so month, you know, every few months to see that everything's still on track. And from that moment on, I was like, whilst this continues to work, this is going to be the way that I want to choose to live my life. Mm-hmm. What if I'm approaching the um, the paleo diet and I have no idea what it means? Because there's a lot of people out there who don't know what paleo means and how to eat in the paleo way. What could you give me an example of how my plate should look if I'm eating, you know, eating paleo? Yeah. So, I mean, really, it's, it's looking at food in its uh, closest to nat- natural form. And, you know, avoiding processed and artificial foods. So that involves some animal protein, mm-hmm. um, some vegetable, you know, plant matter, and some really good healthy healthy fats. So it could be simple as having, you know, some, some salmon, um, you know, lots of leafy greens, and, uh, you know, and a sweet potato, and some avocado. Mm-hmm. That in itself would comprise a, a kind of a paleo templated meal you know really good healthy uh, source of animal protein and healthy fats um you know avocado again very nutritious nutrient dense and lots of vegetation in terms of you know leafy greens and, and sweet potato which is a really good uh, healthy carb carbohydrate so that that in itself would be a very simple plate um that most people could prepare very easily and ingredients that would be easy to source Mm-hmm. Um, what about grains? Are you staying away from grains on the uh, on the paleo diet? Yes. So, yes, yeah, some of the foods to avoid are really foods of agriculture. So these are the foods that were, were relatively recent in, in human history in terms of large-scale consumption. So grains of any description, so that's the obvious being wheat, uh, but also oats, uh, rice, um, and also dairy products would be would be avoided as well. Mm-hmm. So, you know, milk, cheese, yogurt, and anything uh, derived from milk would also be, be avoided. And there are other, other, foods, that, other foods that are kind of, uh, of dubious quality as well that are also, also avoided. Yeah. Would you go as deep as, because I, <clears throat> I was thumbing through the book, I'm um, just waiting on you to, to start the interview, and I was thumbing through the book again, and I saw where you mentioned Ray Ardette. And I had Ray on the show. Uh, mm-hmm. he, he wrote the book Neanderthal, and Ray's philosophy was... Uh, I think he said that any stay away from foods of technology or anything that wouldn't be. Um, he mentioned something about a stick. Like if you couldn't, uh, I, I may be wrong, but mm-hmm. <laughs> but he mentioned somebody. If you couldn't, uh, I can't even remember what he said on the, on the interview. But I know he said to stay away from foods of of technology. Um, but he got a little bit deeper into um, a lot of it of of the way of eating. But um, do you necessarily agree with his philosophy? And there's a lot of different things out there now that I know um, someone like Chris Cresser says that you can kind of introduce legumes into your diet and maybe do yes. potatoes and things of that nature. But h- how do you feel about that? Yeah, so there, there are kind of lots of different flavors of paleo. It's not like, for example, if you're if you're a vegan, mm-hmm. it's it's pretty much 
watertight what's allowed and what isn't you know there's there are no real you know there are no exceptions um with with paleo it started out fairly rigid a template but it's you know there now have become lots of different flavors of paleo and it's become about what you can tolerate or not um and so the danger with that is everyone's trying to find their individual prescription and there's lots of experimentation Whereas I believe for most people, if they start out with the premise of pretty much avoiding anything processed, you know, at all, you're in a good you're in a good place. Anything that contains any you know artificial additives and preservatives and colours and so on should be avoided. Anything that's genetically modified should be avoided. And then if you are buying foods, so if you are buying eggs, for example, or you're buying meat, then far better to get you know, meat from an animal that's been well-treated, that's been eating natural food sources, that's been raised in a, in, in a natural way, you know, eating grass-fed, um, grass uh, for example, or, you know, or, or naturally reared animal, animals. That would be a far better choice than, say, having something that's factory-farmed, that hasn't seen daylight, and being just fed uh, grains to fatten them up, you know, and give, being given growth hormones. So it's it's not just about the foods you you know gravitate towards or avoid. It's it's about making the right decisions about those foods as well. So I don't believe you can make necessarily a blanket statement um, around paleo, but I do believe there are certain areas where you can say, you know, you've got to just got to question yourselves: Why are you eating these foods? Yes or not? You know, if I eat legumes. You know, am I prepared to go through all of the additional processing that's required, the soaking of them, the fermentation of them, the sprouting, all that sort of stuff that you can do to make these these uh, these plant stuffs more easily absorbed and available to the body when I could just eat, you know, some leafy greens. So, so do I want to make my life more complicated and spend even more time in the kitchen? Or do I want to make my make life easier for myself uh, and 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 have something that's relatively safe, however it's prepared? So for me, that's the way that I, I look at things. I don't have legumes in in my diet purely because I I don't see why what the benefit is over and above other other plants. Do you see what I'm saying? So yeah, yeah. yeah so I, I think people should be should look at their own health state first. That's what they should do. Get themselves some some blood tests. Get some health markers done. Um, eat a certain template for a while if you're seeing improvements across the board then you probably want to stay there do you know what I mean you probably want to stay right there and have minimal minimal experimentation because you know you're 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 living a much healthier state Um, and you don't want to become neurotic about it you know you want to get to the stage where you're no longer dieting and it becomes part of your lifestyle and um yeah, you know, you, 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 you love the foods that you're eating and you're thankful and grateful for the foods that you're partaking in. And um, you're not spending, you know, the rest of your life absorbing uh, nutrition manuals and, <laughs> and learning about biochemistry <laughs> just so you can decide what, what's on my plate is going to be healthy or not. Yeah. So for me, I, I want to I wanna keep things simple. I want to be able to explain it to a five-year-old. And if somebody has that level of understanding and is prepared to take that on board, I think the world will be a healthier place. I think the comp- yeah, I think the overly complicated, overly complicating the subject matter just makes people more confused, and there's lots of ambiguity. And then people say, oh, you know what? 
I have no idea what I should do because everyone's spouting a different message. Yeah. You mentioned Lauren Cordain, and I remember um, just when I started my journey and getting into the paleo diet, and there were two things that kind of stuck out with me. One was his stance on um, meats, that all the meat should be lean, and Uh then um, saturated fats that you should stay away from saturated fats. And I'm wondering if any of that has has changed now that you see that uh, a lot of the stuff coming out about saturated fats are good for us. They're no longer one of those things that we thought caused high cholesterol. What's your what's your stance on that? You probably follow the paleo community a little bit more than I do. But have you noticed any changing of that? And I know that Rob Wolfson, that that tribe also. Yeah, that's a very that's a very good point. I, I, I mean, I suppose, again, based on the science, back in sort of, you know, the early 2000s, there was still a bit of a phobia around saturated fat, especially from, from persons like Lauren Cordain. And so he does, he does you know, uh, veer towards having lean meat. Um, and uh, whereas nowadays people are much more, you know, saturated fat friendly. Do you know what I mean? There's mm-hmm. the, even in the conventional press, People are saying, hey, don't have margarine, have butter. You know, if you're going to have milk, having whole fat milk is better for you because you, you're better able to absorb some of the fat-soluble vitamins and the like. You know, saturated fat research is no longer linked to cardiovascular disease. So there's there's lots of, of evidence now uh, and there's lots of research and, and also press around saturated fat not being the devil that it once was. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I think, to be honest, people, in some respects, people are missing, missing the point about lean meats. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the arguments is that the foods that we used to consume when we were hunter-gatherers were naturally lean. You know, they, they were, these animals were highly mobile, they were being chased, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So their body composition was, was different. So this is one of the reasons why Lauren Cordain so that we should be gravitating towards lean meat. Even, even in the present day, if you have something like wild game, um, it's a lot leaner than a, a domesticated farm animal. So instead of having 30, 20, 30% body fat, it might only have 5% body fat. So that's, that was, his, that was the, the main argument. It wasn't so much about being anti-saturated fat. Mm-hmm. And secondly, um, most of us know in the nutritional sphere that most toxins reside in the fat of the animal. Mm. So it isn't just about the saturated fat content. It's what, it's what is contained within that saturated fat. And for a lot of animals nowadays, unfortunately, we live in a very polluted world. So even for myself, I, I don't consume that much saturated fat from animal sources. I'll have saturated fat from, say, coconut oil, um, and I'll have a lot of my fat from other sources because I am concerned about toxic loading. Um, yeah, so that that's my kind of personal take on that. Yeah, because I always used to kind of connotate that to uh, like a lamb, a, a meat like lamb is, is sort of more fatty than, let's say, chicken. So when I read that from Lauren Cordain about lean meats, I'm like, well, is he saying stay away from something like lamb, which is a more fatty meat versus, uh, you know, chicken? And mm. I, I love lamb, so I'm like, I'm not going to stay away from, <laughs> from lamb because it's, you know, a more fatty meat. Was was I off with that? or? No, I mean, to be honest, I love lamb as well. Mm. So, um, and 
even with that argument around a toxic loading. Mm -hmm. So uh, personally, I feel that because the lamb is a younger, obviously a younger meat, <laughs> you know, it's a younger animal. Right. So I believe the toxic loading is going to be less. So I, I wouldn't avoid lamb necessarily, but I wouldn't only consume lamb. Do you know what I mean? Right. Uh, and um, I still would choose, you know, even if you're eating lamb, the majority of, of, of the content, the, the macronutrient profile is still going to be predominantly protein. It's not going to be, you know, 60% fat. Do you see what I'm saying? If I have a lamb chop, it's still, or lamb cut, I think you call them in the US, but if, if I have a lamb chop, you know, it's still only going to be probably 10, 15 percent uh, of fat so so yeah it's still relatively lean in comparison to something which is kind of uh, you know corn fed or grain fed mm -hmm. which might have like 35 percent fat profile you know huge amounts of fat intra intramuscular fat so even though it, the meat may, may appear lean but it's going to be kind of uh, riddled with with fat in intramuscular fat so yeah I, you know I, I think people can get preoccupied with with saturated fat or fat um it's more about the, the fat you're getting from all sources that's important and as long as you really are avoiding really bad fats mm -hmm. so predominantly you know omega-6 fats which are inflammatory fats uh trans fatty acids hydrogenated fats if you're really avoiding those and you are having you know, monounsaturated fats like avocado or olive oil, if you're having like omega-3 rich fats from, say, you know, f uh, fatty fish, oily fish, um, and you're getting some really good polyunsaturated fa fats elsewhere, you know, uh, moderate contents of quantity of nuts, for example, then, then I think life's going to be good for you. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? If you're eating lots of saturated fat from factory-farmed animals, there is no way that could be seen as a healthy healthy uh, source of fat that that's the point i believe that people should be looking at it's the source and the quality of the food and the fat not just the type of fat yeah um getting back to talking about paleo and the different types of tribes that are out there um and you have mark sisson which i know you you did a a, a podcast on mark sisson's uh channel and mm -hmm. um, what's the difference between paleo and then Mark Sisson has primal? What's what's the main differences there? Yeah, so pr primal, I mean, I, I really admire Mark and, and what Mark Sisson has done and he's doing. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, Mark, Sisson, Mark Sisson's approach with primal is to, was to kind of relax the rules a bit uh, around food. And, and say, you know, there's a bit of an 80-20 approach to food and you can get most of the benefits, you know, from, you know, the majority of your food choices are really beneficial and helpful. You're going to get the majority of the benefit. So Primal allows for, for some indulgences um, and he tries to kind of categorize, say, within grains, um, you know, there's a hierarchy of, of dangers, so, you know, wheat may and gluten may be at the top in terms of the, the most damage and something like white rice might be the, the most kind of benign. So he's saying, hey, every now and again, having some white rice is not, is not necessarily going to be a problem. You know, um, if you can tolerate dairy, maybe you want to incorporate dairy in your in your diet. So, yeah, so I, I'd say primal is probably 
a more relaxed uh, paleo, um, mm-hmm. but still giving you the majority of the benefits. Um, and again, it's for the individual to decide. So rather than being dogmatic about it, it's a case of saying, look, you've got to try this out for yourselves and see what the impact is on eating in a, a particular way. And if you can main, you know, maintain good health and enjoy your food, then great. If you don't enjoy it <laughs> or you are, and, you know, have a less health, you know, poorer health status because of that, then you need to modify your, your food choices. What uh, what are your what is your di- your uh, diet consist of, Daryl? Or do you do dairy? Do you do? I know you're not doing any grains, but do you do dairy? Or what do, what are some of the things you stay away from? Yeah, so I, I don't do dairy, um, and I don't do any any grains at all. So for me, because of my health status when I started when I started this journey, mm-hmm. um, I, I had no choice in the matter. So I have to be I have to stay fairly strict. You know, as I mentioned, I was pre-diabetic, I was anemic, uh, you know, I had a whole host of other issues as well, um, seborrheic dermatitis, which is fairly horrendous skin condition, and the, the best way for me to manage a lot of those conditions is by, through my diet and, and, and through my lifestyle. So I have to stay fairly, fairly strict, but I don't see it as strict, I just see it as me eating, you know, really well, and I really enjoy, enjoy my foods. Um, something like dairy, especially being of, of African descent, which I am, mm-hmm. you know, dairy is, uh, you know, we don't tolerate dairy very well. So, so we have about a 65%, uh, you know, 65% of us in, the, in, in terms of African descent are lactose intolerant, for one. Mm-hmm. Um, like the majority of the world, actually, you know, the majority of the world are actually lactose intolerant. Most of Asia and Southeast Asia, the Indian subcontinent, uh, and Africa, those of African descent, are, are unfortunately lactose intolerant. The majority of us. So that's that's where that's where I sit. Um, but even for those who are lactose tolerant, there are other issues around some of the milk proteins, um, and it is one of the most common allergens that we that we have. So for myself, it's no. You know, there's no dramas in me avoiding dairy. I can get all that I need from other foods. Yeah, I I sympathize with you on that. I know we are both of African descent, and I don't do dairy either. I just my body just does not tolerate dairy. And coming into contact with a lot of people who are of African descent, one of the things I try to stress to them is just you know maybe taking dairy out of their diet. <clears throat> because it's one of the most common allergens. And I believe it's people who are um, Jewish that have a lot of uh, problems, too, with lactose in, intolerance. Yeah, I mean, the, I mean, the information is, qu- is quite, um, you know, easily available, you know, readily available mm-hmm. as to what populations suffer from, from dairy. And, and usually it's the populations that introduced cows uh, with, with agriculture at the earliest opportunity are the ones that do best with dairy. So those from the Middle East uh, uh, and, and those of Northern European descent, mm-hmm. Middle East being sort of, you know, kind of Iranian uh, part of Middle East rather than, uh, the, you know, the Arabian part of the Middle East. Mm-hmm. But those from kind of uh, from Iran, uh, from Persia and, and Northern Europeans who, who had introduced cows as their source of, of you know, animal milk, Mm-hmm. They tolerate dairy much better. So in Northern Europe, it's about 95% of those mm-hmm. who can tolerate milk based on lactose, mm-hmm. uh, which is which you know leaves only 5% uh, 
being lactose intolerant. So, you know, they, they, there's, there's a reason for this. In Africa, uh, goat's milk uh, was usually the animal chosen for, for milk. So, so for most of us, we can tolerate uh, goat's milk far better. There's less lactose in, in goat's milk than there is in cow's milk. So, you know, there, there are reasons why we can, from a genetic point of view, better tolerate uh, certain, certain foods. Yeah, I agree with you on, on that. Um, when it comes to going from a processed food diet to, let's say, a paleo lifestyle, I, want, I know one of the things that trips a lot of people up, they think that it's cheaper to uh, keep buying the processed foods more so than moving to, let's say, the paleo diet. Um, can you kind of give us some tips of what we could do when it comes to maybe doing something on a budget? If you want to move to paleo, how can you do that on a budget? Yes, yes. I mean, um, yeah, when you see, you know, if you buy a paleo cookbook or you see you see some posts on Instagram and they have these really elaborate ingredients and all the kitchen equipment you need to cook these amazing recipes. <laughs> you yeah. can, do you know what I mean? And, and they're saying, hey, you only can get wild-caught fish and it has to be naturally reared, grass-fed beef. Of course, you're paying a premium for these food, these items of food. Uh, and uh, manufacturers, their, their job in terms of manufacturing food is to get the, the cheapest product to make the most markup uh, and with the longest shelf life. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, and they can just fortify it with vitamins that that have no real benefit to the body. So, of course, you go to your grocery store. Um, if you want to save money, you're going to gravitate towards the the processed foods. Uh, yeah, you know, that's where most our marketing budgets are going to be going to towards those type of foodstuffs. Uh, so, if you are on a budget, you know, it takes a bit more. It takes a bit more work. You know, you might need to go to farmers markets. You might need to start um, saying to your, you know, going to your local store and saying, "Hey, you know what? I I would rather rather than just having sweets and candy as 50% of the store. I mean, maybe getting some fresh fruit in every now and again because that's, you know, this is what I want. That is what I want to buy. You know, you may need to order food online to save yourself some money. So I I, I can't say that you can definitely spend. Uh, you know, stay within budget necessarily. You know, you may need to make sacrifices elsewhere. But if if this is an investment for you, then that's the way to kind of approach it. You know, rather than looking at food being an unnecessary inconvenience just to fuel me from one day to the next, it's saying, hey, this is an investment for my health and it's going to save me money in the long term. I mean, I'm going to be paying less for medical insurance um, in the in the US, for example, because I'm, I'm going to need less requirement for me to go and see a doctor. I'm going to need me less medication as I as I age. So that's the way that I think you have to balance the books. It's weighing up the cost and the and the the, the benefits of being healthier. Yeah, what you're in your forties, right? I am. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're we're kind of. Saying, I had to think. I had to think twice about that. Yeah, I don't. I don't look that old, but yeah, I, I am. Yeah, yeah. I remember <laughs> you. If you, are, I'm in my forties as well, and I remember yeah. how better I felt when I started to eat eat better and get off the processed food because I was a big McDonald's, Taco Bell type guy, and um, I'm wondering if you. You're in England, you're in London. If you guys have that same kind of correlation as we have here when it comes to people who are are obese. 
Yeah, well, it's it's fortunately it's not as bad here in in the UK as it is in in the US and, mm. and definitely in certain parts of the US. But we are, I mean, we're pretty closely related in lots of in lots of our culture. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, uh, and part of that is we do have a lot of American fast food organization companies here, including McDonald's and KFC, Subway, um, and we do have a culture now of. When I was young, you couldn't, you didn't see people eating on the street. There were relatively few fast food restaurants. There was still a culture of, you know, you come home from school or whatever, you come home from work, and that's when you eat your dinner. Do you know what I mean? Whereas now you'll see people who they'll grab stuff on the way from home. Um, you know, they'll go to fast food restaurants for lunch. You know, that didn't happen 20, 20 years ago, 10 years ago even. It's become more and more commonplace. And we are suffering from an epidemic here in the UK as well. You know, people are getting are getting fatter. Um, we are seeing an increase in the obesity stats here. Mm -hmm. So it is a it is a problem, um, and it's the same it's the same issue. You know, we live a life of convenience, and I can spend relatively small sums of money and get a lot of food, <laughs> a lot of fast food. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, you know, this is the issue now. It's become acceptable for society to rely on these type of foods um and as we know they're not those products are not designed for our health benefit they're designed for our convenience and for the profit of of big food that's what it that's what it's about so yeah yeah so it's a con it's a concern um and this is part of of why i'm in this in the process of trying to educate people that there is an alternative because i used to survive on you know having a can of Red Bull and a bar of Snickers for breakfast. That was, that was my breakfast for, for years, mm. you know, especially as a computer programmer, you know, that was my, that was my fuel to help me write computer code. You know, lunchtime I'd be hitting McDonald's um, and then at dinner I'd have a microwave meal. So I did that for years. <laughs> um, and no wonder my health suffered. Do you know what I mean? It's like, of course, when you're young, you don't feel as if it's gonna, there's gonna be any impact. I didn't look. I didn't look unhealthy. I was still young in my prime. I was slim. There was no issues, but internally it was a different kettle of fish. It was a different matter. So I think it's almost like a living time bomb. You, you know, one day you're you look in the mirror, kind of metaphorically speaking, and your mirror will say to you, "Do you know, Daryl, you really have some problems with your health? What? Uh, where did that? Where did that come from? I have no idea why." And that's what happened to me. Mm. Looked in the mirror by having these tests and these tests told me you're an old man in a young person's body and not a young man who's in their pro you know who's healthy and doing well for themselves but an old man who's on their way out hmm. so you need to do something to reverse this and the good news is now i'm still relatively young uh, but my health status is that was better than when i was in my 20s and 30s so as far as i'm concerned that's something worth celebrating and it's something worth uh, you know, sharing with others that it is possible for you to slow down the decay that we believe is inevitable. Now, you had your own journey, and uh, obviously you're working with people to get them a little bit more healthy. What are some of the things that you've noticed from the paleo diet? How, how soon can a person look to see uh, results? And if do you notice 
things about their health markers or their health markers improving? You mentioned that your, you know, your blood, your blood work improved. But what are some of the things that you've noticed with yourself and with others that you've worked with on improvements? Yeah, I mean, it depends on, on the client and what they're looking to achieve. So, for most, they tend to want to see differences in body composition. You know, they want to lose weight. They want to lose body fat. They want to improve their body composition. And I would say for most people, they do notice significant changes going from a standard American diet, you know, standard Western processed food diet to eating paleo. Uh, they will lose body fat. Um, they will gain kind of lean body mass, especially if they're exercising as well, um, becoming more physically active. So that's usually the most obvious change that occurs and that can even occur within, say, a 28-day period. It doesn't take much time for people to see that transition physically. Um, but also, if, you're, you know, if you have high blood pressure and you have a really poor cholesterol profile, like lipid profile, then you would expect to see differences once you go paleo. And the only way to know for sure is, is to do a snapshot before and after making the food changes. So for myself, I saw changes in my blood pressure. My blood, blood pressure w went from high hypertensive to optimal blood pressure after doing paleo. You know, my, I was no longer anemic. You know, I was no longer pre-diabetic. So my blood sugar levels came down, fasting glucose levels came down. So those are the improvements that I saw. And it, it's fairly typical of those who embark on a paleo lifestyle. You know, it isn't an anomaly. Um, lots of people have uh, these kind of anecdotal evidence of, yeah, I went paleo and not only did I lose weight, but also I lost X, Y, and Z. I improved these health markers. Mm -hmm. uh, and um, yeah, so I would say for anyone who's skeptical or anyone who's, who's concerned, uh, I was very skeptical when I embarked on paleo. I was like, I need to take some blood tests. And if I see my blood tests getting worse, <laughs> if I see my blood work, you know, deteriorating in any way, then that's a sign that, hey, maybe this isn't right for me. Yeah. So I would just consult a, you know, consult a specialist who can advise you as to the results of your, your blood work. Um, you know, work with your, with, your, with your MD, work with a nutritionist to find out what markers are, are worth looking at for yourself. Um, if you have an existing condition that you're trying to reverse or to, um, you know, to get into, you know, get into remission, Again, you know, you want to consult with some experts, do your own research and do some sort of before and after test for you to feel satisfied and validated that your decision was the, was the correct one. Yeah. One thing that paleo taught me was um, that you don't have to necessarily eat breakfast for breakfast, because I know here in the U.S. we're all into our breakfast foods. We have to have eggs. We have to have bacon. We have to have toast and all this other stuff. But a lot of the paleo recipes, it's like you can eat these anytime. And that was just uh, a, a bit of enlightenment for, enlightenment, enlightenment for me, because it's like, yeah, I don't have to eat eggs every morning. I can eat something else and it could still be, you know, still be healthy for me. Yeah, that's a really that's a really good point. I mean, breakfast just means to break the fast of the night before, and so any food uh, can can you know solve that problem. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be you know a box of cereals or you know an English breakfast as we call it here, a fry up. <laughs> Do you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Of, of eggs and bacon and the like. It can be anything. And so again, to make it easier for yourself and easy for me. 
oftentimes I will have the leftovers of the night before. That would be my that would be my breakfast. So there is nothing out of bounds for me anymore when it comes to breakfast. You know, I, I have had I've had salmon, I've had steak, I've had chicken, I've had, you know, everything for breakfast. Do you, do you know what I mean? Yeah. I've had it all. If I've cooked it the night before, I'll, I'll cook, uh, you know, cook for two or three. I'll have it for, for breakfast. I'll have it for lunch sometimes. Sometimes I'll skip breakfast. Um, you know, there's, I, I'm, I'm much more flexible now in my approach to food. I don't, uh, I'm not scared of being hungry. You know, before, if I had any hunger pangs at all, I'd have to eat immediately. So I was pretty much grazing all day. Um, now I'll, I'll, I'll eat a wholesome meal. And if I have to go seven or eight hours before, you know, between, in between meals, job done, that's good for me. Yeah. You know, eat, eat to satisfaction, not to, you know, not to be greedy or good, you know, glut, to gluttony. Yeah. And uh, another thing that I really like about paleo is it, it kind of cuts your, your time down in the kitchen because um, I mean, I come from a traditional Southern family. My mom used to spend like all day in the kitchen Sunday cooking. <laughs> like paleo, you can make most of these dishes in, you know, 30 minutes and you're out of the kitchen and you have, you know, really good nutritious food, uh, food to eat. So that's one of the benefits I, I like about paleo. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good point. I mean, um, yeah, you can make it as simple, as complicated as, as you like. And, uh, you know, same thing with breakfast. Like, I mean, I do like eggs, you know, for example, mm-hmm. but it doesn't take long to make an omelet. You know, it doesn't take long at all. And, and when I think about, I used to, I would never make an omelet because I never had enough time previously because it was easier for me to, you know, milk, get some milk, some cereals, a bowl, that's it. Um, but even then, I would I would tend to have warm milk rather than cold, so it would take it would take a few minutes. You know, it, it's like I wouldn't really care what I was eating; I just like stuff it down my face. But when you prepare your meal, I feel that you invest in that process, and I think even that's a healthier place to be. You know, when you actually spend time to go, hey, you know what? I made this food; it's it tastes even better because I made it. It's exactly how I wanted it to be prepared. Um, I think that's part of being helpful when it comes to food. And that's, that's something that I think we miss in modern society. Not so much the preparation time, but the fact that we're not, we don't appreciate what we have before us because it's just so readily available for a lot of us now. You know what I mean? We don't have to, we don't have to you know, worry about where the next, our next meal is coming from. You know, generations ago, that was a question often asked by families like, how are we going to get food on the table tonight? How are we going to get, have food in a few days? Now we pretty much can eat whenever we want, whatever we want. And because of that, our choices tend to be poor choices. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, if I, if, I, if I chose only what I wanted to eat, <laughs> not because of my health status, there is no way I would eat healthier foods. I'd just be eating fast food all the time. I'd be, you know, what I mean, I'd be eating candy and sweets all the time because that's what my body tells me is is what it needs. But of course, from a health status, I know that nah, that's not <laughs> that's not going to be any good for me, and yeah. it's not the sort of foods I want to indulge in for for the long term. Yeah, a lot of people fall in that trap of convenience, and I always say anything that most of the things that are convenient for you are not necessarily all that 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 good for you yeah it's like any, it's like anything in life isn't it if, if yeah if you've got to work towards something whether it's education whether it's a project that you're working on whatever it is if you've got to work and graft for it it's usually worthwhile when something comes really easy 
uh, and quickly and without any real investment, then usually it's, it's a con. And I think that's the way we need to look at fast food. You know, a lot of it is a con. It's, it, it, it drags you in. It's very, um, uh, what's the word? Um, oh, I can't even think now, but it's, it's an illusion, really. That's what, it, that's what it is. It gives you the illusion of really nutritious food, very colorful, has all the colors that the brain wants to see. <laughs> you know, it has all the smells that we want, to, we want to smell. It has a taste and a crunchiness that we want, the textures of the food. It all appeals to us it, from an evolutionary point of view. But in terms of the nourishment and sustenance point of view it's severely lacking which is why we'll just continue to eat those foods because it satisfi satisfies us for a very short space of time but then the body says hold on a second there wasn't really any nutrition there so give me some more um and food manufacturers know this they spend lots of money designing foods to appeal to our inner nature in terms of the evolution um, or creation, whatever you believe, whether you believe we were created or designed or evolved, there's something about these foods that we're driven towards and food manufacturers know this and continue to dazzle us with even more poorer quality food. Yeah. Um, last part of the, the podcast, Daryl, I wanted to kind of get into movement. I know you're big on movement. And um, I remember listening to Gary Tobbs. I don't know if you're familiar with Gary or not, but um, Gary Tobbs kind of changed my mind about the way I looked at exercise. Um, mm -hmm. versus, uh, he changed my mind so that I wasn't looking at exercise as the means to lose weight because he said that they've done numerous studies saying that exercise does not make you lose weight. But I looked at it, I started looking at exercise more as a way to get my body movement, moving, keep it young, not you know, being sedentary. And I mm. saw as I was uh, doing the uh, preparation for this interview, I saw where you were on one of your YouTube things. You said you hate exercise. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and there's a lot of people out there that are like that. A lot of people just don't like the gym. Um, my yeah, girlfriend, yeah. she just doesn't like the gym. But there are some things that you can do. And I don't think that a lot of people are have opened their eyes to that. And you do a lot of what we call what primal play and, and natural movement patterns and things mm -hmm. that are fun. You can make exercise fun more so than then going to a gym, lifting weights all the time. So tell me a little bit about that statement. I hate exercise and how you <laughs> <laughs> and how and how you started actually making exercise fun for yourself so you could get that movement that your body needs. Yeah, so, um, yeah, exercise, physical activity, we, we need it. You know, whether it helps you lose weight or not, you know, we need to move. And being sedentary is definitely not a place, a good place to be. You know, being sedentary causes a whole host of issues, whether it's mental or physical. And so we know that we should exercise. We know that it's beneficial. We know that we should do it. But there are significant barriers to that. You know, a lot of us just find, you know, we just don't have the time or the money to pay for gym memberships, um, or, or we just get bored with the whole process. It's like a punishment. Do you know what I mean? It's like, oh my gosh, I'm going to have to go to the gym and do that really hard workout mm -hmm. um, and that I'm only going to feel good about when I finish it. I'm, I'm not going to enjoy the process. And that's, that's what I encountered myself. I, I love the benefits of exercise. I would do anything for me to be fitter and healthier because of that. But the process... Phew, I didn't enjoy. 
So sometimes I would do anything I could to avoid <laughs> going to the gym. You know, something else would come up. I'd be like, oh, I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it next week. Mm-hmm. And um, so I, I thought about what would make exercise enjoyable. And I thought about when I was a child. And I thought about the fact that I didn't exercise as a child. I just played. I moved around. We all moved around. We had fun. Um, it wasn't laborious. It was just fun. And we did get out of breath. And we were lifting weights, but our weights would be lifting our friend doing a piggyback. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, we wouldn't be doing pull-ups, but we would be climbing trees. You know, this is the sort of stuff that we would do. And so as an adult, I've reintroduced that through what I call primal play. So I founded this methodology called primal play, and it's really getting people to tap into their inner nature around enjoying movement, enjoying the process of movement, not just the results. And um, yeah, there's something that I feel is missing, and lots of people need to re-engage and enjoy movement again, as we once all did. Uh, you know, a lot of conventional fitness doesn't give people that experience. It's about pain. You know, no pain, no gain tends to be the mantra that we associate with exercise. You know, it has to be punishing. You've got to run a marathon to, to, to believe, you know, <laughs> show your worth. You've got to do some really obscure obstacle course race um, and get electric shocks, <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And go through ice, you know, through a sea of ice cubes just to get to your destination. It's a like, hold on a second. What about that is appealing to the majority of people who are physically inactive? Um, yeah, so... I'm really passionate about, you know, I do hate exercise, but I'm passionate about movement. That's the, that's, that's the point that I want to, yeah. I want to get across. Yeah. It's, um, I, I used to work with women, uh, in a fitness boot camp, and I realized that women are much more open to different things. Like, uh, for instance, women are much more open to doing something like a yoga or a Zumba versus, mm. versus men. Men will just want to <laughs> get to the gym and they want to pump weights. Yeah. <laughs> And then you have some men out there who've never touched a weight in, you know, never touched a weight in their life and don't exercise, but can kind of benefit from what you're doing, you know, with the primal play and, and knowing things are fun. And, you know, some women out there may not want to hit the gym and they might just want to have some fun, but it should be fun and something that you like, you enjoy doing. Yeah, something that you enjoy doing. And, and I mean, hey, don't get me wrong. I, I think there's nothing, you know, I, I, I wouldn't want to just exercise as a like a diluted form. Of, of physical activity you know we are designed to be you know we should be strong and capable do you know what i mean i should be able to perform you know really uh, extraordinary tasks of physical strength feats of strength that should be possible and unfortunately for for men say we tend to think if i can bench press you know my body weight or i can deadlift or i can do those kind of weightlifting movements and i'm going to be strong and those people are the kind who you know their back goes when they tie their shoelace do you know what i mean mm-hmm. it's it's you you know they, they only have a one dimension of view of strength and you can get somebody who has just been kind of grafting all of their life and they're just strong you know never been in a, they've never been in a gym in their life they've been you know i mean maybe working on a farm or whatever but those individuals have this all-round strength that doesn't come from what you do in a gym and that's what in a way primer play gives you it gives you a a three-dimensional view of strength and of speed and of agility and all those things that you want from fitness. You know, that's what we want, really. It's the benefits of fitness that means we have a longer, more independent life. So I, I don't see it as a poor relation 
to working out. I think playing out is actually a superset of working out because you're covering all muscles, you're having fun doing it, and you're not thinking about the limits of what equipment you have. You know, your whole world becomes a playground. And so now I'm actually stronger than I've ever been before, mm-hmm. which, is, which is phenomenal considering I have had a, a lot of time in the gym <laughs> <laughs> and, and spent lots of money with, with lots of accomplished trainers um, but now I'm actually stronger, more capable, and less likely to be injured now than ever before. So I'm I'm happy with I'm happy with this approach. I feel it suits our physiology much more. So yeah, that's what it's all mm. about. And your book is Paleo from A to Z, and it's actually a reference guide. And I remember me um, part of my background was I was on the dark side at one time. I used to be <laughs> in the pharmaceutical industry, and okay. I remember when I was in the industry, they gave me a dictionary of all the medical terms, and it served me well. And when I was thumbing through your book, I was like, oh wow, this is great because a lot of people tend to get put off by terms, and if you don't know the terms, and I know I've been doing this for ten years, so when I mm reading stuff and reading all of these uh, uh, journals and studies, you come across terms that you don't understand. And I think that's what puts a lot of people off from getting healthy when they don't, when you kind of talk over their heads. But your book, Paleo from A to Z, is a really good book because it actually delves into those terms and tells you what the terms actually mean. And I know that we are I know here in the U.S. we are what we call an acronym society. We like everything short. <laughs> and sometimes those acronyms, we don't know what you know what they mean. But your book is really good because it kind of gives you all the terms that you hear out there in, in paleo, but the nutrition world, and it breaks them down and lets people know what what they are. So thank you for that. No, no, you're welcome. And I'm, I'm, I'm you know, that's that was the reason why I worked on that project was to give people like a plain English version guide to to paleo and and the paleo lifestyle and not just the food and the nutrition but Mm. everything else that matters the sleep your your stress patterns you know getting getting sun you know and adequate sun exposure there are so many areas that contribute to our health that i wanted to include in this in this guide yeah well your book is available on amazon and, yes, uh, it's available uh, in Amazon and I on the iBookstore in in, in um, Barnes and Noble um, in the in the US. So it's available in all good bookstores and also all the bad bookstores as well. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. so if you if you look for it, you'll you'll find it. And my previous book was called Paleo Fitness. Mm-hmm. So that that covers much more on the kind of movement side of things and the physical activity side of things. But uh, yeah, they're both handy references to, to help you lead a, a healthier lifestyle. Yeah. And your website, what's your website? The fitness explorer.com is what it yes, is. The, the fitness explorer.com uh, is, is my main website. So um, yeah, I basically blog about my, my lifestyle choices. Um, what, mm-hmm. what, what has worked for me, what hasn't worked so well. Um, you know, I, I live a paleo lifestyle. I'm an advocate for paleo. So that's the main sort of reason for, for being in relation to that to that website yeah yeah so if you listen to the podcast check out daryl's website thefitnessexplorer.com and uh, a lot of great information over there i took a look on there uh yesterday just going over everything for the interview Daryl has a lot of great videos on uh, youtube i took a look at your uh, i think you were at uh primal uh was it uh, paleo fx doing a presentation on uh, YouTube. Ah, uh, yes. Could well have been. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but there are a lot of great interviews um, from other people who have podcasts that you've interviewed with. So just 
type in Daryl's name on YouTube and, and they'll come up. Um, guys, this is my last podcast for this year. I need to recharge my batteries. You know, reading these books and going over interviews with people tends to kind of get you a, a little bit tired. So I'm going to sign off for uh, 2015. Enjoy your holidays. I hope everybody had a happy Thanksgiving if you're here in the U.S. Our Thanksgiving was uh, last week, last Thursday. And then the holidays are coming up, so have a good holiday. And look to see me in 2016, bigger, better. I've been saying for a while I wanted to go to two shows per week, so um, I'm working on the scheduling for that. I'll be working on the scheduling for that this month, and hopefully we'll be kicking that off in uh, January of 2016. Thank you for listening to Perfectly Healthy and tone radio if there's someone that you want to see on the show or hear on the show just give me an email or send me an email rather to darren d-a-r-r-e-n at fat that's p like paul h-a-t dash man.com so darren at fat dash man.com and i'll do my best to get those people on so you can hear the interview daryl elwards thank you so much for being on perfectly healthy and tone radio man i enjoyed it Thanks so much, Darren. It's been a real pleasure, and uh, and thank you for giving the opportunity to be your last uh, interview of 2015. Uh, well, you weren't. Uh, you, that's not by design, but you were um, really good interview. I really enjoyed it. Thanks. Oh, thank you very much. Thanks. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.